the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Both the sons understood that that covenant they have with their father. As long as they're in their father's house, they will serve their father. And you know what? The father will bless them, right? As long as they're inside the father's household. Now, in the story, something unexpected happened, okay? And this is the first twist in the parable, okay? And we all know what happened. The younger son wanted out of the contract. He said to his father, give me my share of my inheritance. He actually dishonored the contract. The son did, the younger son. Not only did he do that by asking for his share and leaving, he also shamed his own father. You know why? Because normally, before you get your share... You wanted the father to die first before you can take claim of your inheritance. But this guy in the story, now Jesus was twisting this thing now, okay? In the story, we find that the younger son says, I don't care if you live or you're alive or you're dead. I want my money now. I want my inheritance now. And he got it and he left. And we all know what happened to him, right? In the story, the younger son squandered all of his money by living wildly. And then uh, he, he fell into hard times. He suffered. He became poor. Actually, to become poor is an understatement. The Bible says in the story, the parable says that he, he, was, he was craving for what the pigs were eating, but he couldn't even get that. No one wanted to give him even what they're giving to the pigs. So he became the lowest of the low. Then he realized that he blew it. And you know what he did? He repented and he started rehearsing his repentant words. He started saying, I have sinned against heaven and against my father. I am not worthy to be called your son anymore. Just make me your servant. He was rehearsing this because he, got, he came into his senses and he figured out that he needed to go back, okay? Now, he, he, here, here's the story where it's the most moving. The story says, when his father saw him coming back, the father ran to him. Now watch this. He wrapped his arms around this kid and he kissed him. That's a no-no. Shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. 
Something's wrong. And that's another twist in the story. Okay? His son did repent. His son did express those words, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you, my father. You don't have to call me your son. Just call me one of your servants and I am happy. That's how we know that repentance is real, right? I don't have to, you don't, I know, I know, I know, I know, what I, I know I messed up. I don't deserve this. I can, I can only be one of your slaves and I'll be happy with it. And how did the father respond to that? Did he say to his son, well, I'm glad you learned your lesson and I'm, 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 I, I know that you deserve what's coming to you. No, 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 no. He, he didn't even pay attention to the repentant words. You know what he said to his servants? Quick, get the ring, get the robe, get the cow. We're going to have a party as if the son didn't do anything at all. Now, Let's look at the older brother. Do you think he's not paying attention? Oh, yeah, he was paying attention, all right. He saw these things unfolding, okay? You know what happened? He got angry. Could you blame him? No, I wouldn't blame him. I would get angry too. Yeah? He got angry. Of course he gets angry. And why did he really get angry? Now, let's ask that question in the story. Why did he get angry? Is it because there are no more fattened calf? Is it because he doesn't have any cows to celebrate with? Nah. He had everything. Is it because that uh, he's, you know, he doesn't have any time to treat his friends to a party? Is it because there's no room for him to be celebrated? No, he... He was angry for another reason. Was he angry at his brother? You know, the story didn't say that. Okay? He probably was, but it didn't say. But we do know one thing, okay? And this is important. He got angry with his father. He was angry at his father. Now, this is another twist in the story. And why did he get angry with his father? You know why? Because his father broke the rules. You broke the covenant, Father. The rule says you should bless those who bless you. And you should curse those who curse you. This guy deserves a cursing and you broke the covenant. You're supposed to curse him and now you're throwing a party at him. He couldn't grasp the concept of loving kindness. Couldn't grasp it. He couldn't wrap his head around his father breaking the rules. He couldn't accept it. He couldn't accept that his father took his love to the next level. He couldn't accept it. As I was reading this, I said, this is the problem here. He couldn't, he couldn't accept the fact that the father tore the contract and says, I'm just going to love this kid no matter what. You know what the father did? This father did in the story, he removed the conditions and made the love unconditional. And that's why the older brother got angry. But here's what the scripture says in Romans 5.8. 
God demonstrates his own love for us. It's a new word. It's not hesed anymore. It's the word agape. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The older brother understood love, but it was an incomplete understanding because he felt that his father is under obligation to bless him and treat him as he deserved to be elevated in the blessing. And he expected his father not to bless the son who squandered his wealth. He couldn't accept that God gave the same love to his fallen brother as he was giving him. The brother was operating, the older brother was operating under his father's covenantal contractual love and then brought that love to a level of unconditional agape love by giving his younger brother what he didn't deserve. We have a friend whose 10-year-old uh, son died of a brain aneurysm. It was devastating. I, I, I couldn't wish that even to my worst enemy. 10-year-old kid just dying right in front of them. And these are godly people. They're, they're, they're godly people. And I, I, I saw the devastating grief they had to go through. And, 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 and they, they were, you know, they were devastated by this. And I attended the funeral. And... Uh, there was a lot of people there, and I heard this, this one lady whispering something like this. Uh, she said, there's a lot of criminals out there in the world. There's a lot of child molesters. There's a lot of terrorists. There's a lot of bad people out there. Why would God pick on a 10-year-old kid and take him away from two godly parents? That loved one's is an incomplete understanding of God's love. Okay, when you hear people like that, not only do they have an incomplete understanding, they have no understanding of God's love. They won't, they can't wrap their heads around the fact that God himself did it to his son. Okay, do people really think that God was just sitting like this in heaven while Jesus was being crucified? You know, people think that. Let's be honest. We think of a God who doesn't feel anything or doesn't, you know, have any emotional attachment to anything. No, God the Father was crying so hard he had to turn his back from Jesus. He couldn't see, he couldn't bear to see his son, but he knew what his son was doing. His son was completing the work of redemption based on his love. He grieved because Jesus was expounding and exploding the true meaning, the true testimony of God's love. What's our attitude about God's love? Is it, is it complete? Is it, is it a complete acceptance of God's unconditional love? Or do we just love God because there's a blessing associated with loving Him? Do you often feel, and this is just a probing question, do you feel that God is obligated to bless you because you love Him? Think about that for a minute because a lot of people have that kind of mindset. I've been good. I've been righteous. I'm a good person. God owes me this. God owes me that blessing. 
I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm a good person. I, I serve God. I, I, I do all of these things. You know, loved ones, if you think that way, if anybody thinks that way, I want you to, to, to calm down for a little bit and look at it in a different light. If you think that way, you must be thinking that the love of God is based on a contract that He wants to make with you. I will bless you if you worship me. Can you imagine, what if God says, but I want you to live up to your end of the contract? Will you be able to? Listen to me, loved ones, this morning, and I do say this with love. If not for the unconditional love of God, what I deserve is hell a hundred degrees warmer than you. But because of God's love, I got away with a lot of things. So do you. So do many people. If God holds me to a contract, I can tell you right now, I'm not going to be able to live up my end of it. So I just praise God that He elevated His love. Amen? Huh? And He did it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He did not eliminate Hesed. He elevated it to a level of agape. And you should praise God for that. Now, secondly, not only we see in Jesus that God is a God of loving kindness, we also see God as a lowly king, a humble God. This parable shows that very, very clearly. In the parable, the father stooped so low in order to demonstrate his love. He ran after his son and embraced him. He didn't care whether he was dirty. He's been with pigs, by the way. Okay, he's been hanging out with pigs. He probably hadn't had a dental appointment in a long time. He probably never had a haircut. Like we have, None of us have had a haircut in a while, right? All right, I got, my, I got my hair over here sometimes and over here sometimes. doesn't matter. You know, this guy was not clean when he was finding his way back to his father. He was dirty. Did it matter? No. The Bible says that the father ran. That's a twist. Can you see your father? This guy who 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 been treated so badly, now come, come, coming and running to, to the person that, that did him wrong and embraced him and kissed him. Jesus was demonstrating the, the humility of God. He embraced him. And he talked to him as if nothing, there's nothing that he did. Humility before God is the only way to really experience the fullness of His love. If we feel like we are far away from God, today, if you feel like God is so distant from you, check your pride level. Maybe humility is missing. In the Bible, in the New Testament, we are called to put on the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset, mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. In the story, the younger son had to humble himself to his father. And lo and behold, his father humbled himself to his son. 
What is the biblical definition of humility? As demonstrated in this parable. In our mind, how do we know we are truly humble before God? And here it is. When you finally come to a point where you acknowledge and receive and acknowledge and accept, rather, your need for God's grace and mercy and are willing to receive it. As long as we don't feel a need for God's grace and mercy, we will always judge God and other people. How many times have you judged God? I know I have judged God in the past, you know, because, you know, sometimes it's easy to, to look at other people and, and, and say to them, you know what, you know, you got to do what I do. I'm all right with God. God and I are like this. You know, we're tight. No, you're not. No, I'm not. We keep judging people because we have never grasped this, this, this humility piece of God's love. And we see this in this parable. We're always being complete, always looking for something tangible unless we understand that we need God to intervene by His grace and by His mercy. Until we elevate that, that contractual love to an unconditional love. There's a final point here. Jesus demonstrated the completeness of God's love when we see in the story that liberty comes from knowing. True freedom, true liberty comes and, uh, and is given to those who actually acknowledge or actually know Him. When the younger son came to his senses, that's the moment he was set free. Okay, The moment he acknowledged that his father had been good to him, he started to realize that he made a terrible mistake. The moment he had recognized his condition, that's the moment he was set free. It was this moment of real freedom for him. And how do we know that? Because when he came back to his father, his love for his father no longer has conditions. He no longer looked at the Hesed contract, he knew he didn't deserve it anymore. He knew how God, how good his father really had been to him. He knew that his father loved him and he exchanged that love for a momentary period of pleasure to enjoy. And for the first time, he could see clearly the humble love of his father to him. He could see clearly and is free to love God without obligation to bless him, to do anything for him. You know, he could have easily come back and says, now that I have repented, restore to me all the blessings that I want. But that's not true repentance. You just repented because you, you, you found out you were wrong or you got caught. True repentance is this. If God never blessed me a single day of my life, I will still love him. Job understood this. You know when Job suffered through, and he was blameless. I mean, this guy wasn't blameless. Job was blameless. But what's the word that came out of Job's mouth when he was going through these things? Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. That's a person who understood that loving God, you're free to love God if you stop obligating God. There's no more obligation attached. There's no more condition attached. 
because liberty or freedom is defined as the removal of all conditions. That's why we're set free by Jesus' love. The only condition that Jesus says he should have is to put our faith in Him. And if that faith is true, it's not based on circumstances. It's not based on what I can get from God. It's based on a true sense of I want a relationship, a loving relationship with God. And that's how we got saved. That's how salvation comes. Some people today, I want to get saved because I want to go to heaven. I do too, but, you know, that's just fire insurance, right? Don't want to go to hell, so hey, I want to go to heaven, so come to Jesus. Just, just, you know, there's no liberty in that because there's fear. Freedom says, you know, you don't fear. Because you're free. You're free to love God without obligations. You love Him freely. Do you know what, that, that you truly and I truly become Christians when we love God without imposing anything on God? Doesn't matter what happens to us. We worship God nevertheless. We still worship God. Because freedom is the removal of all conditions. In Galatians 4, 9 to 10, Paul said these words. Formerly, formerly you, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by Him, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and, miser and, and, and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And what does he mean by that? It means to be set free is to be removed from the slavery of wants and needs in the matter of our relationship with God. How many of you got God is good. He supplies us all of our needs. He restores us. He, give, he has no problem with the blessing side. Well, we got to be free to love God without, without those streamings, okay? That's why I reject certain types of gospel preaching. That's why I resent, the, you know, this prosperity type gospel preaching, this kind of a hyper-faith, you know, positive confession kind of nonsense. That, 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 that doesn't make any sense. I know God has been good to the, to the pagans that I know. They don't even confess God. They curse God. And it seems like if you measure the blessing through material things and prosperity and success, you, you, you're, you're done. We don't do that. But we worship God because inside we know God is good all the time, all the time. We're no longer slaves by our circumstances. We bring God in our circumstances. No problem believing what God said. We always Sometimes ask for power, more power, more power. I'm not against that. But I want more affection for God when I pray. A little bit more affection for God. When the younger son returns, he repents. He was restored. This time, we know he will never leave again. Why? Because love for God, love for his father is no longer obligatory. It's now liberty. He now knows what his father is like. Colossians 1.13 He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And I close with this. There is one more twist in the story. One more twist. We need now to ask the question, who is the good brother in the story? 
Is it the older brother who stayed in his father's house and always served his father? I don't think so because he got ticked off. He wasn't that good. Or is it the younger son who squandered everything he had only to come to the realization and went back and repented as a broken person? I don't think so. Because after all, he did squander his life. The only difference between the two, the younger brother and the older brother, the, uh, the older brother sinned in the end. The younger brother sinned in the beginning. All right? When he asked for his inheritance. And the older brother got angry. There was no good brother in the story. The good brother is not in the story. The good brother is the one telling the story. Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, as well as those tax collectors and sinners, apart from me, you'll never understand how God loves you so much. And that's true for you and for me. The only way to experience the love of God is to come to faith in Jesus, His Son. And when we do, we are going to be given the right to become sons and daughters of God. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.